Hey, New Life, I'm Kyler. I am the Lathrop Assistant Campus Director. I am stoked to be here on this Sunday morning with you. Thank you so much for being online here to support me, but of course to hear what God has for us today. So before I get going on my message, I kind of want to let you know how I came about this message. So in January, you might remember Pastor Troy did a series called Kaleo, which means called. And in that series, he talked about how we are called to generosity. And one of those weeks when he was preaching about how we're called to generosity, he started talking about how we're called to tithe. And when he started talking about tithing, I instantly got uncomfortable. And it was really weird because it wasn't conviction because I've been tithing for a while now. But um, as dad was preaching, I was praying, God, why do I feel so uncomfortable right now? And it hit me. I don't feel uncomfortable for myself but I feel uncomfortable for those that are struggling with this thing called tithing, because I've been there, I get it. Now, if that's you and you struggle with tithing, either not doing it at all, not doing the full amount, or not being consistent with it, this message is hopefully gonna challenge you and stretch you further than before. So I hope you're with me. When I was a kid, uh, my parents taught us how to give at a very young age. I remember sitting in church in the front row, and when you're a kid, you don't have money. I mean, all the time, you just don't. So I remember sitting in the front row of church um, with my siblings, and my mom would go down the line and give us each some change so we could put it in the offering bag and kind of learn how it felt to give. Then when I got a little older, like around nine years old, I started to babysit. And the reason I say babysit is because I would watch these two little girls every Monday night while their mom, Karen, did her Taekwondo class. Now, um, I think the girls were like three and five at that time when I watched them, but like I said, I was only nine years old. So if something were to happen, this is where the babysit comes from. Their mom was right there in the same room. So I wasn't really babysitting, but I kind of was babysitting. You get it. The extra cool thing about it, though, was Karen would pay me. Now, like I said, I was nine, so it wasn't a weekly pay or anything, but every once in a while, she'd hand me $20, thank me, and say, don't spend it all in one place. So I'd like to say I tithed that money, but we went to Pizza Factory on Monday nights, and that pizza place had an arcade. And um, do you know how many quarters you can get with $20? 80. 80 quarters. I was given quarters to my sisters, my brothers, their friends, my friends. I was very liked for the 15 minutes it took to spend those 80 quarters. I don't know if you remember Dance Dance Revolution, but that's where my dance career began. But by the time we left that pizza factory, that $20 was long gone. But I had to learn how to handle my own money, even at nine years old. Maybe you're like that. Stay with me. Maybe you give things to people simply for the, wow, you're amazing, thank you so much. So you look good to that person and to the people that are watching. Maybe you spend money like it's nothing because you wanna impress people. But really, you know you only have like $20 like me at the arcade. I love Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, we've talked about him so many times at this church. He is the guy from Financial Peace University. We've done that class probably dozens of times in the last 10 years of this church. One of my all-time favorite quotes from Dave Ramsey is, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. How accurate is that in our culture? Maybe you're the 
complete opposite. Maybe you cringe at even the thought of spending money. I mean, your wife comes to you with just the word vacation and you just, <laughs> something happens to your car and you don't have savings and you just, the kids come to you asking for, <laughs> I don't know, I don't have kids, you fill in the blank and you just, you can't handle it. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle of those two people that I just described. Today we're going to talk about three ways God is trusting you with his stuff. You've probably heard this before if you've been a part of New Life for any amount of time, but God is trusting you with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Now, I'm not going to go in order of those, so stay with me. First, let's talk about your treasure. I told you before, I understand what it's like to struggle with tithing. I tithed on and off as a kid and teenager, but I never started consistently tithing until I was about 17. And I can't tell you how much blessing I was overwhelmed with. I was blessed with things like job opportunities and a car that ran well. And I was still able to save while still giving my first 10% back to him. So my point is, it doesn't matter how young or old you are. You've likely had money before. And as you look back on what you did with that money, if you can even remember, are you proud of how you used that money? Did you use it wisely? So the money that you have now, let me tell you how you can feel proud of how you spend God's money. Because let me remind you, it's all his anyway. God's calling us to tithe, to give the first 10% of our income back to him. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me. My message today is entitled, Test Me. Listen to this for a second, the word test. Take measures to check the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before putting it into widespread use or practice. Test me. This is the only thing that God says to test him in. He has never broken a promise, so why on earth would he start with you? Test him. Let's continue in Malachi 3.10. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Just so we can get an even better understanding of God's generosity and his blessings, check out this video. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way too. But surely Jesus knew that things 
don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over, it's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity, and so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham, and he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. God has so many blessings for you that there's not even enough room to store it. I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable with you for a minute because I want you to understand that even at 22 years old, I really do understand financial struggles to some extent. So David and I got married in September of 2019, of last year. 
And just a few, uh, few days into our marriage, the first week, on our honeymoon, in fact, we got some terrible news. The house that we were going to move into, the day we got back from our honeymoon, the lady that was selling it told us we couldn't move in and another family had already moved in. So just three days into our marriage, we didn't know where we were going to live. Two days later, we were going to have to leave this beautiful resort that we were staying at for our honeymoon to go back to what? We didn't know. So David had been living with his sister Carrie and his brother-in-law Jacob, so we thought maybe we could live there for a little bit until we get a place of our own. Um, but the thing was, Carrie had just given birth to our niece Danny. Like, the day we left the resort, they were still at the hospital. I remember we packed up to leave this beautiful room, our beautiful resort, and um, as we were leaving, David called our brother-in-law Jacob to see if we could live with them. Now, that was a huge ask. I'm sure you can imagine, because they are brand new parents, thinking they have their own home to themselves again with their brand new baby, and they get this call from us asking if two extra adults could live in their two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. So David was on the phone with Jacob, and without hesitation, to my surprise, Jacob said yes, of course, and Carrie was on board. How they were so generous, I still don't know. But they were. And so David and I got in the car. Our honeymoon was just about over. And at least we knew where we were going. At least we knew we had a place to stay. So we lived there for about a month. And then the next month, in October, we finally got into our house with my sister Kyra and my brother-in-law Matt. It was great for all of us. Four bedrooms, two baths. It was perfect. We were set for the next year. Everything was starting to fall into place. And then November came. David's boss, Darren, suddenly passed away. David had been at that workplace for almost three years, so luckily, Darren's wife, Heidi, allowed David to continue working there for the remainder of the year. However, come January, Heidi made the very difficult decision to close the doors of that business. So David and I hit a very rough patch financially. In January, we had been married for just shy of four months. Then all of a sudden, David didn't have a job. That was our main source of income. And I was only working part-time. So we were barely scraping by for about a month. And how many of you know when you're scraping by for a month, it can feel like a whole lot longer. There was a lot of tension and stress and fear going on in just the first few months of our marriage. I didn't feel safe or secure. David felt like he failed. And this whole marriage thing was still so new to us. And then on top of that, we're worried that we can't even pay rent. It was scary. But we stayed faithful and we continued to give our first 10%. I remember praying and crying and saying, God, I don't know what we're gonna do. Somehow, I can't even tell you how. It was just God he provided during that time. 
David got a part-time job and as well as started his own business and I got a promotion. So God knew all along we were gonna be just fine, but we were scared. Had we not gone through that scary, tough time, how would we be any better and be able to trust God more than ever now? So I tell you all that to say, I get it. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. One eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Church, I love you. I love you so much. But I'm not going to hold back from what God says so I don't step on your toes. So brace yourself, because this might sting a little bit. You ready? It is so easy to make excuses because you think you're the exception, but you're not. I'm not. The Bible isn't just for certain people, it's for everyone. So it is so important that us as a church, we listen and do what God says. He knows what he's doing. I've seen that time and time again in my own life. He's got it. One of our values here at New Life is we will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. I love that because our church is incredibly generous, but I believe wholeheartedly we can be even more generous. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder where your treasure is. Not seriously where you keep your money, but where's your treasure? Are you using it wisely? Are you consistently tithing and maybe even giving an offering? Because tithing and offering are different. A tithe is the first 10% of your income and an offering is anything beyond that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I have three questions for you. My first question is, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Let's go on to talk about our time. Now, this one's pretty clear, so I'm gonna try to keep it brief, so stick with me, here we go. We all know we have the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours. How can we better use our time for the kingdom of God? What will stretch you further than before? Can I remind you of something? Sometimes we need to do something that we might not absolutely love, but we're a family. And as a family, there are jobs that need to be done. So being in this Lathrop assistant campus director position, I'm seeing more and more people say and put on their connect cards, just put me where you need me. And they mean it. Those people are using their time, their very valuable time to be stretched and put in a position where they can further the kingdom of God. That's amazing to see and to be a part of. So my second question for you is, what can you help with that will stretch you? What can you help with that will stretch you? So God's trusting you with your treasure, your time. Lastly, let's talk about your talent. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Hang on, it said whatever gift you have so that indicates that you have some sort of gift. I've heard this a lot, but I'm not good at anything. 
that's not true. You have some sort of gift. Maybe you just need to figure out what it is. So let's take Pastor Trinity and the worship team, for example. They don't just play their instruments and or sing because they're good at it, although they are, right? They're using their talents for God. Or Pastor Troy, I'm not even gonna talk about the pastoring part, the pastoral stuff. He didn't start dozens of Taekwondo schools and train hundreds, if not thousands of students because it was cool, although it is. He used the talent that God gave him to reach people for Christ. That's using your talent for God. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So my last question for you is what is a talent that you have that you can use for God? What's a talent that you have that you can use for God? You have gifts, use them. So if you haven't already written down these questions, now is the time. Three questions were, where's your treasure? What can you help with that will stretch you? And what is a talent that you have that you can use for God? Where's your treasure? What can you help with that will stretch you? And what is the talent that you have that you can use for God? Now, to tell you the truth, church, I really wanted to just end the message here and be done. Because uh, truthfully, I really just didn't want to be let down if nobody did this. But God quickly reminded me, it's not on me. Even if you do absolutely nothing with what we learned today, it's on you. So with that being said, I'd really like us to get practical. It's so easy to listen to a, mes a message, feel good and excited to change, and then we get home, or in this case, we turn off the TV or we put down our phones and we completely forget and we do nothing and there's no change. So this is how we're gonna get practical. We're gonna listen to one song. And while that song is playing, I want you to write down or put in your phone, or listen, at the very least, think about your answers to each of these questions. I want you to be honest, but before you do anything, let's pray. God, you are so good. You know exactly where our treasure is. You know what we can do to help that will stretch us. You know what talents we have that we can use for you. God, you know it all. Would you guide us in your will? Because that's all that matters. We want to be stretched by you, God. We don't want to live a comfortable life just getting through. We want to live a thriving life with you. Thank you in advance for what you're already doing in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe you already know what you need to write down. This information is for you. I'm not going to ask you to text or email me your answers. I just want you to be honest with you. Go ahead and answer these questions. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. 
working all things out Yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Oh yes, I will sing for joy When my heart is heavy All my days Oh yes, I question for you the biggest question what are you going to do is your treasure somewhere doing nothing good like at a pizza factory arcade let's figure out what your next step is maybe your next step is to do our 90-day tithe challenge it's pretty simple you tithe that's the first 10% of your income you give to the church for 90 days and see if you won't see a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. See if that won't happen. Are you wasting your time on things of this world? Maybe your next step is to try our 90-day Bible reading challenge. You can find that on our website, anewlifeca.church. And see if God doesn't speak to you when you cover yourself in his word. Maybe you need to stretch yourself even further. 
and find out how you can serve here at New Life because you still can serve here at New Life. Your next step might be to go to newlifeca.church and hit the Let's Connect button and then hit Ready to Serve and fill out that serve form and see where God puts you to further the kingdom of God. Failing to plan is planning to fail. I read this verse and I was like, whoa, this is perfect. Proverbs 13, 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. I want to read that one more time. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Sounds pretty simple to me. We need to plan. What is your next step? What are you going to do? Once you figure out what your next step is, I'd strongly suggest telling somebody so that you're not alone. You have somebody there to help you, to encourage you, and be there for you. But remember, that relationship should go both ways. So make sure you're helping them, encouraging them, and being there for them. Ask God for help in your next step. And then I believe you're unstoppable. Let's pray as we close this out. God, thank you for challenging us. Thank you for taking us to the next level in our lives. We need your help as we navigate our next step and move into your will because that's where we want to be. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I hope you were stretched and I hope you were challenged. I love you and I'll see you right here online next Sunday.